0: Wonderful to see you as we uh, count down the days to Christmas. Um, scientists have recently uh, stated that people who begin their Christmas celebrations early are happier in life. How about that? So see if you're feeling a little blue around this time of year, you need to just put out some extra Christmas trees and maybe get some Christmas cookies and you know, get a new Christmas uh, outfit or some, you know, Christmas pajamas or something like that, you'll start to feel better, is what scientists say. Psychologist Steve McCowan says, in a world full of stress and anxiety, people like to associate to things that make them happy, and Christmas decorations evoke those strong feelings from childhood. So think about that during this Christmas, how about that? Um, people love the hope of Christmas. I, I think one of the things I get the most excited about related to Christmas is not just Christmas Day, but it's like the buildup to Christmas. Amen? It, it's like, you know, I don't get to wear red and green together very often, you know? And, and I get to, 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 to bust out those special outfits, and, and you get those special drinks over at Starbucks that they only offer during this time of the year. It's all about the food that you eat. How many of you have like a some type of favorite food that you eat around Christmas and you don't eat it any other time of the year? And like you're you're thinking about it this morning, okay? You're craving it. Um, you get to see family. You get to take time off of work. Um, you get to go to the mall. You get to lie about spending as you're buying presents. I mean, it's awesome. It's wonderful. I mean, we all love that. That's what Christmas is all about. And as we do that, our hope builds. We're building hope as we're getting ready for that that ultimate climactic celebration of the birth of the Savior of the world, and it's magnificent, isn't it? Along the way, we all know family members that uh, start family members and friends that start celebrating a little too early. Maybe you have a coworker that starts playing Christmas carols in the office around Halloween time, you know, or. Um, uh, other people that uh, are constantly talking about Christmas or wearing Christmas, you know, uh, outfits and decors uh, you know, way early, even before Thanksgiving. Um, I heard some some Christmas carols like at the beginning of November, you know, and I was I was kind of upset. I was like, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet, you know. But but there's hope that's building. There's hope that's building. Today, I want to talk to you about how to build your hope during this holiday season. You know, we need some more hope, amen. We need some more hope in our life because because there's a lot of things going on in the world around us that can suck hope out of us. It's easy to feel like hope is depleted, but the scripture reminds us today that hope is here and that hope is available. Um, We see a story in Luke chapter 2 of two people who had great hope and great expectation. They could not wait for the first Christmas. Uh, It was an old man by the name of Simeon and an old lady named Anna, and they were always at the temple together. Now, I, I was reading the scripture and I thought they would have been a really cute couple. But you know, because they loved the Lord and they loved to worship and all that. They weren't a couple, but they, maybe they could have been a couple. They were both elderly. They were both very old. But they lived with great expectation for the coming of the Messiah. Next week we'll talk about Simeon. He had great hope. God gave him a promise. You won't die till you see the Messiah. But there was also this other individual named Anna. And we don't know a lot about Anna, but Anna had amazing hope. She was an old lady. She spent time in the the temple every single day. In fact, the Bible actually says she didn't leave, if you can just even get your mind around that. She just was always at church. She was called a prophetess, which means that she boldly proclaimed the word of God to people. Um, She fasted, she prayed, and she lived with a... With a with a great hope, a resilient hope that could not be quenched, in Acts two thirty, uh, excuse me, Luke two thirty six to thirty eight, uh, her name is mentioned, and we just have a few verses about her. But her name means grace, and it's obvious that the grace of God had been poured out in her life. She was a widow. Uh, she she uh, was a woman that whose husband had died. Uh, While she was a very young woman, in fact, if you look at the verse right there in verse 36 and 37, it says, There was a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. So um, in, in the ancient world, in biblical times, young, young women usually got married around like the age of 14, somewhere kind of right around there. So if you add 7 to 14, how many you got? 21. So she's a 21-year-old widow. Can you just imagine that? And a lot of times women would remarry if their husbands died Because women didn't work and women needed people to take care of them. And so, you know, your social security, so to speak, was to marry and to have a man take care of you. And then hopefully you had some sons that could take care of you, too. And, you know, life was good. But Anna didn't do that. We don't know if she was wealthy or if people just constantly, like, took care of her. But her life was devoted to the things of God. She spent her time in the temple. She never remarried. I think it was because she was just so focused on the coming of the Messiah. She couldn't think about anything else. And, you know, when we find uh, people like Anna that are prayer warriors and are people that are just so filled with the Holy Spirit, it is such a great gift to the church and such a great gift to our own personal lives. We should be inspired by people like her. Um, When people go through pain, it's also easy to abandon their faith. Um, you know, it would have been easy for, for this woman, like her husband died, and, and she's a young, a very young woman, uh, maybe 21 years old, something like that, and she's a widow. And when we go through a hard time, sometimes we can become like really bitter and really hostile and really angry. Why did this happen? This wasn't supposed to work this way. This wasn't the plan, God. You know, wh- where did all this come from? Or we can become very moldable. And very sensitive and very uh, very in tune with the things of God. And, and obviously, Anna uh, was the latter. So she, she, she had experienced great hardship, but in and through that, she had gotten closer to God. And, and part of her ministry was awaiting the birth of the Messiah. Now, think about this. 1,400 years before, Moses had prophesied about the coming of Christ. So the Jewish people have been waiting for Jesus for 1,400 years. That's a long time. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've waited a long time. I mean, you know, 1,400 years. more than 1,000 years, the the Jews have been waiting for, for the Messiah. I think a lot of Jewish people gave up, you know, at a certain point. But not Anna. She lived every day looking for the birth of this special baby boy. And I want us to see three ways that we can build hope in our life through the example of Anna. Look with me, number one, by staying faithful. Staying faithful. Anna is a remarkably and amazingly consistent. I mean, she's just, she's always on her game. Uh, look at the verse again. It says there, she did not leave the temple. I mean, she was serving God day and night. She had amazing staying power. Sometimes we talk about changes that we need to make, but you know, sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to keep doing what we're already doing. And Anna figured this out. She was like the lady that was at the church every time that the doors were open. She was, she was involved in every ministry. She was... She was She was a staple of the temple. She was just always there. Everybody knew who she was, and she was always worshiping the Lord. But this was not a burden for her. This was opportunity. She loved it. She was motivated by it. This was not religious duty. This was was delight for her. She just loved the Lord so much she she wanted to go. And, And she waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, Um, she's uh, 84 years old, and this text could be um, interpreted one of two ways. You know, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, so sometimes when we translate things, there can be just a little bit of ambiguity. And so we're not sure if she was a widow that was 84 years old or if she was a widow for 84 years. So it's possible that, that, that she was 84 years a widow, and if you add 21 to that for the 14 years that she was when she got married and then seven years that she got married. She might have been over a hundred years old. We don't really know, but I think the point of the Bible is this is an old lady. She's been around a while. <laughs> She's old, man, the Bible's saying. She's old, and she never missed a service. She's always there. Um, sometimes when, as we get older, we can think that we don't matter as much or that God cannot use us as much. But you know the Bible is full of examples of people who God used very, very late in the game. Did you know Abraham didn't even decide to serve God till he was 75 years old? I mean, come on, 75. He didn't even have Isaac, the son of promise, till he was 100. Moses delivered the Israelites from Egyptian captivity at the age of 80. Joshua conquered the promised land when he was in his seventies. The apostle John wrote the revelation when he was in his eighties or his nineties. God is not done with you. God will use older people uh, even beyond the age that we think God is capable of doing it. Maybe some of your best days are the days ahead. Maybe God's going to use you in a powerful and a wonderful way that is unexpected. We can look around and say, well, you know, I don't have as much energy as I used to have and uh, maybe I don't, you know, I'm not as, as cool or trendy or, or, you know, whatever it is, God may be preparing you. God may, God may be getting you ready, man, for the greatest season of your life in your senior years. It's beautiful. She remains consistent and she's waiting on God. Now, does anybody here hate to wait? Anybody? oh I hate to wait I'm a terrible waiter the other day I was at the grocery store and I was standing in the middle there were three lines and I was line jumping I was like looking around I had my head on a swivel you know. I was like this and I was running over here and then I was running over here and then I almost elbowed one lady out of the way to get to another line I just hate to wait waiting is hard Sometimes we feel like waiting is wasted. Maybe you've had that conversation with God. God, if you would have sped this up, I could have done so much more. Sometimes I think that. Waiting is not wasted. Sometimes waiting is just part of the protocol. Waiting is part of God's plan to get you to the place where he can use you. It's preparing you. It's part part of the journey. See, we think about the end, and God thinks about the beginning, the middle, and the end. God thinks about what he's going to do to get you to where you need to be. We just want to push the fast-forward button and get to the end of the story, and come on, let's get this done and move on to the next thing. But Anna's just she's waiting, man, in the temple. And you would think she would get discouraged. I mean, after a certain point, you know, you've been, you're like... I've been looking for the Messiah. I'm 84. Lord, you out there? I've only said like 17 million prayers, Lord. But you know what? Her hope is never diminished. When you worship the Lord, God will renew your patience to wait. See, as she was waiting, she wasn't waiting like just sitting, lounging around playing video games. She she was waiting but she was worshiping while she was waiting. And if you will worship while you wait, God will give your heart great hope. God will give you great strength. Don't, don't miss it. Um, don't miss it. And sometimes God wants us to wait because he's getting us ready. And God's timing is always perfect, isn't it? God's never early. God's never late. God is always what? He's right on time. He's right on time. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren says, waiting on God is never a waste of time. In fact, it's some of the best time that you're ever going to invest in your life. And maybe you're waiting. God's put something on your heart. Maybe God's given you a promise. You believe something's going to happen in your life. And it's, it's, it, the plan, it's, you're like, Lord, this is slow. I, I thought this was going to happen a lot faster. But listen, don't give up on it. Don't give up. Don't, don't get frustrated. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Just stay steady and keep doing what God's called you to do. Anna could have had so many excuses to not stay faithful. I'm lonely. I'm old. I'm tired. I don't have the resources. I don't have the stamina. Uh, I've already asked God for that. It ain't going like it's supposed to, but man, she's just grinding away, man. Every single day, she's serving the Lord, and God wants you to be faithful as well. Let's stay faithful. That's that's what we do with ourselves. But there's something that we do with God, and that's serving. We serve God. How do we build hope? How do we build hope? We stay faithful and we serve God. Now, look at the verse here in in verse 37. It says, She did not leave the temple serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. Another translation of the Bible says, Worshiping. And the, the word in the language of the New Testament for serving and worshiping is the same word. So it's amazing how we worship God in and through serving. So she's not just waiting, she's worshiping. She's, she's busy. Okay, It's not like she just cleared her calendar and stared at the moon. She's, she's worshiping while she's waiting. And if you will worship while you wait, God will renew your spirit and your heart. And she's worshiping through fasting and prayer. Fasting is going without food for a designated amount of time to intensify your spiritual focus and your prayers. Fasting is, is it's, a, it's a tough thing. It really is. Fasting, sometimes we think about fasting as like for the Navy SEAL Christians, you know, like the people that are like really gung-ho, living in the temple, 84 years old. You're like, Anna should fast. But you know what? I want to encourage you to be a person that fasts because when Jesus spoke of fasting, he said this over in the Gospels. He said, when you fast. In other words, the implication is that fasting is assumed. We don't talk about fasting as much. We may not practice fasting as much. Somebody just thought to themselves, I like prayer better than fasting. (laughs) But if you want to intensify your prayer life, consider fasting. And you could fast for a day, you could fast for a meal. You could fast for a duration of time. There's a lot of different kinds of fast, a lot of different ways you can fast. But, but it is a spiritual discipline, and it intensifies prayers. If you're really in a time where you need to hear from God, maybe you need to to ramp up the prayer and the fasting. Anna, Anna illustrates this for us, and this is why she's such a great woman of God, because she's she's praying and she's fasting and she's waiting on God and and she's just staying faithful, man. She's, she's like the lady that, that never leaves the church. You know, a recent Gallup poll was released, maybe you heard about it this week, and it said that um, it, it measured the mental health of Americans, and it broke out different categories. They had Democrats, they had Republicans, they had people by different age brackets, they had people male, female, um, other different types of categories. And, and The one category where people said that their mental health was better this year versus last year, do you know what it was? The people that went to church every week, every other category went, it didn't matter if you were Democrat or Republican or African American or Caucasian or old or young or male or female, everybody's mental health this year versus last year, people said, "Eh," except The people that went to church. is that awesome? There's just something about being in the house of God. There's something about worshiping. I think Anna understood this 2,000 years ago. She was like, the house of God feels good. This is is a place of worship. This is a place of of spiritual worship of spiritual encouragement, a, spiritual, a, a place of uplifting an environment. i, I got to be a part of that. And so she attended. She was there. She served. I, I wonder if, if, if Anna, maybe um, when she wasn't praying and fasting, she might have worked in the kids' ministry. You know, I don't know. Maybe she went to the growth track, or she was involved in small group, or, you know, she shoveled snow, or I don't know what she did at the church, but she was always there. She was faithful, man. She worshipped the Lord it was a huge priority. Is worship a huge priority in your life? It's so easy to let other things take over the, the precedent and, and the priority of our life. It's easy to let those other things get in the way. But, but, but worship should be our highest priority. Our highest priority. And, and sometimes God um, blesses people who are single. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 talks about this. If you're a single person, you may have even more opportunity to worship and serve the Lord than maybe some other people just because of your schedule. And that is awesome. That is an amazing thing. Instead of looking around going, you know what, I'm so depressed I can't meet anybody. Maybe you ought to celebrate the fact that you have a little bit more time on your hands to give to the things of God. And Anna boy, Anna got this. She was a prayer warrior. You know, I I hope that you are a prayer warrior. If you're not a prayer warrior, you need to know a prayer warrior. I hope you have somebody on speed dial that you can call whenever you have a crisis. Do you have that person in your life? You're like, man, listen, I need some prayers. I need somebody to call on the name of the Lord. Come on. You know, I need some angels, I need some divine intervention, I need the Holy Spirit, I, God, I, I need something. You know, and you call that friend and you start praying with them and it's awesome. Woo, this is Anna. Anna's that kind of person. Um, I, I was, uh, after I graduated college, I returned to the church that I grew up in and I became a staff member there. And uh, one day I looked in the Choose church newsletter and they were giving an award to this lady who was my third grade Sunday school teacher. And I thought, Mrs. Whitener, that is amazing. I know her. And I looked at the article. She had taught third grade Sunday school for 50 years at the church. 50? Are you kidding me? 50 years. And this is in the old school days where you didn't teach once a month. You were on, baby. If you didn't show up, there was no teacher. 50 years? Are you kidding me? Is that even possible? Whoa. And I celebrated that. I thought, man, what? And she was an amazing Sunday school teacher. I mean, we had a Sunday school class. Of, I mean, there was probably like six or eight kids in the class or something. Like this it wasn't like she taught thousands. I mean, there was just a few. But she was consistent, man. She was faithful. And she worshiped God as she served him. And she made a huge difference. And we we need more worship and we need more consistency in the house of God. Being faithful. Just sticking with the stuff. Now God doesn't necessarily expect us to be at church seven days a week. But God does want us to practice the presence of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 the Bible says pray without ceasing. In other words, prayer is not something that's reserved just for corporate worship, but prayer is something that we practice, like on Monday mornings and Tuesday afternoons and Friday nights. Amen. Uh, there, there's a beautiful book that was written in the 1600s by a man. Uh, it was actually written by a friend of, but the author is Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a, a monk in the, a French monk in the 1600s. He was not educated, so he couldn't be a priest. He was clumsy. He was big. He was overweight. He wasn't very smart. But he got one thing he knew how to practice the presence of God. And everywhere that he went, he would talk to people about this. So he was a cook in the monastery. And he would talk about how he would practice the presence of God while he was taking out the trash. He could practice the presence of God when he was cutting onions. He could practice the presence of God when he was serving meals. And he did this by a habit of continually talking to God, by asking God for help and direction, by turning the mundane into a holy moment, that's what he called it. And he said that every challenge was an opportunity to trust God. And he walked with God and he served God every day. And I thought, man, this is the heartbeat of Anna, if we could, if we could just somehow get into this, how would this begin to change the way that we see our own spiritual life? We ask God for help before we go into a big meeting, before we make a big decision. We don't just do what we think is best, but we're considering what God thinks about that decision. We're refusing to worry about the things that we cannot control. And when we're about to yell at somebody when they cut us off at the freeway, we remember that the Holy Spirit is within us. Amen? (laughs) I mean, practice the presence of God. God wants us to walk with him in such a way that, that, that everywhere we go, like seven days a week, like all the time, God is with us. God is in us. And when we do that, we'll have the ability to share with others. To share with others. Now this story gets even better. Look at verse 38. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. Okay? So she spoke about it. And she shared with others. Anna encouraged, she she was an encourager, she really was. Now think about this for just a moment. Okay, Mary and Joseph, two unwed teenage parents in a time where that was very, very, very uncommon. And don't you know that people were suspicious of Mary and Joseph? I mean, yeah, I got the fact that the angels were there and I got the fact that the shepherds came and they worshiped and they told people and then the wise men showed up a little later and that's all awesome. But what did the next door neighbor say about Mary? What did Mary's own family think about her? What did the kids that she went to school with say about her and Joseph? And Anna is an encouragement to Joseph and Mary. They're, young, they're teenagers. They're young people. Now, I know Mary got a visitation from the angel, but don't you think that if you had the immaculate conception in your body that you might wake up one day and go, man, did I, is this whole thing a fantasy? Did I miss something? And God put people in the life of Mary and Joseph like Simeon and Anna to encourage them and to point them in the right way. So everywhere that she went, she was talking about Jesus. Listen, when Jesus is in your life, you can't help but talk about him. You know, it's not like some rehearsed speech. With Anna, she was just so thrilled and so motivated and excited that she had seen the baby Jesus, I got to tell people. That's the most normal, the most normal response that, that a Christian person can, can give is to talk about the things that motivate and move them. I mean, think about it, when, when, when you're excited, if you've bought a new house and you saved up for it, what do you do? You tell people, don't you? If you're about to get married, you know, do you keep that to yourself or do you tell others? I would worry about a couple that was engaged that wasn't telling people that they were going to get married. I mean, because we talk about what matters. We talk about what we think about. We talk about what we're enthusiastic about. And this is the, the outpouring of words from the heart of, of Anna is, is what she's so motivated and excited about. And it says that she spoke to all who were, who were there. She spoke about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Man, she didn't hold back. She, she was talking to everybody. Um. We talk about what we get excited about. We talk about what's on our heart and mind. We talk about what matters. And it pushes us out of our own comfort zones. Boldness is not about doing crazy off-the-wall stuff. Sometimes it's just about stepping out of what we normally do. Yesterday I'm getting my hair cut. And I've been inviting the lady that cuts my hair to church for, I don't know, two or three years. And I have this moment. And I'm a pastor and I'm an evangelist, okay? But I have these moments and I know you have them too. Ryan, don't bring it up. Don't bother her. Have you ever thought that before? I'm like, dang. I'm like, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to talk to her. Okay. So I invite her to come to Easter services. She goes, you know what? Actually, our plans on Christmas Eve got canceled. And we were talking yesterday that we need something to do. And... My sister has been going to church, and my cousin is a pastor, and so we start having this whole conversation. I think she may come on Christmas Eve. It was awesome. Yeah. It's great. Now again, I've been talking to her for a really feels like a very long time to me. Sometimes people don't always come to church the first time we invite them. We got to keep like inviting people. We got to keep talking with people. We got to keep keep on the stuff, don't get discouraged. Sometimes those best things come after we've been building those relationships for a while. And I know that our Christmas Eve services are coming up and God's put some people in your heart, in your life, that you could bring, that you could invite. You know, if Jesus really is the Savior of the world and if he really is in our heart, how can we not talk to others about him? And one of the easiest ways to do that is just to say, hey, why don't you come to Christmas Eve services with me? Uh, Yesterday, Gina got these really nice chocolates, and she put a Christmas card from our family and an invite card to Christmas Eve services, and we gave them out to all the neighbors. And they were so appreciative. It's a small thing. We want people to know the good news. We want people to know how special, how significant the birth of Jesus really is. Anna says, I got to tell everybody. I can't hold back. So everybody that she comes into contact with is hearing the story of, you know, the baby Jesus. And everybody's pumped up. We talk about those things that we love. You know, um, when it's Sunday, a lot of you wear your favorite NFL jerseys to church I see them you know somebody's a Broncos fan I don't see as many this season okay you know we may forget about that season you know God forbid we actually have some chief fans here at Edge Church can you believe that is that sad or what (laughs) even worse the Raider fans oh yeah and the Raider fans they're like proud man they can be 1 in 15 and people are wearing their Raider jerseys. You know, I'm, I'm always like, Lord, please send more cowboy fans to Edge Church. That's what I pray for. When you love your team, though, what do you want to do? You want to sport their colors. We talk about what matters. We talk about what is significant to us. Man, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Let's get the good news out Let's talk about Jesus. Listen, there's two times of the year where people are thinking about spiritual things the most. Easter and Christmas. And so it's kind of like a built-in time to talk about Christ, isn't it? It's a little easier to talk about Jesus now than it may be in the middle of February. So let's do it. Let's ramp it up. Because hope is building And we can build hope in our life by staying faithful, by serving God, and by sharing with others the great hope that we have within us. Will you pray with me?